Welcome to Church Restricted, a four-part teaching on holiness, marriage, sexuality, and relationships. This series is written and presented by Todd Hunter and is brought to you by The Way Community Bendigo. Find out more at the-way.com.au. We pray that this teaching blesses you. This, this is, um, it's actually something that I've been thinking about doing for a number of years, but a uh, conversation with a, a certain young man um, prompted me to hurry up and do something about it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Uh, Ethan said to me, you know, is this going to be awkward? And I'm like, no, no, I won't make it awkward for you. And look, within three minutes, we're making it awkward for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are within the body of Christ a great deal of taboo subjects, um, things that people don't like to talk about, crazy things like the baptism in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, is Speaking in tongues can be something that really divides people and gets people upset. Um, and... Uh, uh, we, we like tackling that subject. Uh, we like tackling demonization, things like can Christians have demons? Uh, should we be casting out demons? To, to those sorts of questions, we say a hearty yes and do it regularly with, with, um, without any fear of, or concern. We know it's, it's right and good in God for those sorts of things to happen. Another taboo subject within the body of Christ seems to be all around sexuality and um, uh, especially there, there, is this, there is this disease, it seems, amongst the body of Christ, this, this awful disease that seems to have to be stamped out at all costs called singleness. And it, it, people who are single are treated like there is something wrong with them. And uh, one of the things that we, we're going to talk about tonight especially is the, the powerful joy of being a single in Christ. Um, and so that, that's going to be one of the, the, the key points. And, and of course, this is geared primarily towards the, uh, the young adult, the teen, um, the millennial. Who here was born after 2000? Yep, we, we got one. Okay, who was born after 95? Right, now I see we're getting a whole lot more hands. What about 90? Yep, okay, there we go. So we got all the 20-somethings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, my my target market, I guess, for this is is like the the twenty somethings and down. But I'm sure that with the material that we're going to cover, um, for us that are older, uh, for us that are married, um, it's going to be good. Uh, there's going to be great things for, if you're an older single and you're looking to um, get into another relationship, I'm sure there's going to be things you, you'll learn, keys that you'll take away from this. If you're married, we, we are going to, especially in the last week, we're going to have a, um, a whole session devoted to what a, a healthy marriage looks like. Um, the, the process, what, the way that this is going to work is I'm going to present for a little bit, I'm going to give... Um, uh, some key points to kind of give the compass direction for the evening. And then we're going to have kind of a Q&A time. And the great thing is that we've got some, uh, some age and wisdom. Some have age, some have wisdom. Um, <laughs> um, 
and uh, so we're going to be able to draw on that as we talk about some of these things. But if you are born after 1990, you kind of start falling into, especially after 2000, that they call the millennials, these 20-somethings and millennials, actually the millennials are the largest single generation that has ever lived, like in populous, in population number. So how the millennials view singleness, marriage, sexuality and so forth is going to resonate on for many generations to come and is going to have a massive impact on not just our culture at large, but in particular the church. So there, this is why we need to start talking about these things because we need to be shaping the uh, or, or framing up what the scripture actually has to say about these things and war against what society is imposing onto our young people. Um, uh, I know, watch a lot of TV, um, but over the weekend I got to see some television and I guess I shouldn't be surprised to notice the, um, the level of uh, suggestiveness. Um, it, like when you detach from it for a while, you start looking at it and going, oh, that's actually like soft porn. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, after about nine o'clock, not so soft porn. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I'm astounded that, especially with the internet and that sort of thing, that people still have the, uh, the incoming sewage pipe actually plugged in. Um, I think the best thing today that any believer could do is unplug their TV aerial. At least get some measure of control of what's coming into your house, especially uh, for, for young people. So I've had two people here in Bendigo um, connected with other churches. Uh, in When I've been talking about this subject with them, I, these two people both described to me that premarital sex in their church was rampant. Now, um, that may sound alarmist or emotive, but I want to have a look at some statistics on sex and marriage for today's young people. So first of all, today, who wants to have a guess at what the, the average median age of a young man is when he marries? Anyone want to have a guess? Throw out a number. Yeah. The average middle middle ground average number. We got thirty five. We got twenty five. Yeah, it's actually twenty nine. And for females, it's twenty seven. So um, now, what's interesting is that if you wind the clock back to nineteen sixty. Who wants to have a guess at what the average age of a, a young man getting married was in 1960? 21. Yeah. 16. Yeah, yeah. Close. Who said 21? It was 23. Um, and it was uh, 20 for a woman in 1960. Um, young couples today are opting to live together and put off marriage for later if at all. A quarter of unmarried young adults aged from 25 to 34 are living with a partner, according to Pew Research. Now, they, these are American figures, but we all know that what's going on in America, Australia tracks pretty closely to that. So, um, Also, according to Pew Research, 25% of millennials are likely to never marry. Uh, the eHarmony report on relationships found that couples aged 25 to 34 
knew each other for an average of six and a half years before marrying. Six and a half years. Compared to an average of five years for all other age groups. Yes, we know some who have been even longer than that. (laughs) Um, Helen Fisher an anthropologist who studies romance and is a consultant to the dating site Match.com, has come up with the phrase fast sex, slow love to describe the juxtaposition of relationships for millennials. They're quick to enter into casual sexual liaisons, but are very slow to commit to a deep, meaningful and loving relationship. So that's interesting, isn't it? Fast sex, slow love. Now, of course, that's out there in the world, right? Surely that's not what it's like in the church. In a recent Christian Mingle survey, (laughs) all right, come on, all right. Who's bold enough to say they've had a play on Christian Mingle? Yeah? I had my friends put a prank one up there. All right. So, in a recent Christian Mingle survey, so Christian Mingle, for those who don't know, is is a match.com for Christians, right? It's a Christian dating site, Christian connections site, okay? 61% of self-identified Christian singles, okay, so people who identify themselves as Christians, on this website said that they were willing to have casual sex without being in love. All right? while only 11% said that they are waiting to have sex until they are married. So so this is statistics coming off a, a site designed, specifically designed and geared for Christian singles who who are looking to find a partner and from the statistics of that site, 61% said that they're willing to have casual sex. That's interesting. Remember what I said at the start? Some people in Bendigo saying, premarital sex is rampant in our church. Well, if you've got 61% of people on a dating site like that who are willing to acknowledge this, I'm thinking we've got a problem. Um, Relevant Magazine. Who knows Relevant Magazine? Yeah. Uh, Now, this is is a little old now. This is a 2011 poll. But uh, let's face it, and when it comes to statistics like this, we don't ever see them going backwards. (laughs) Um, 2011 Relevant Magazine poll revealed that 80% of young Unmarried Christians have had sex, 80%. And two-thirds have been sexually active in the last 12 months. Hmm. So I I think it's fair. It's very quiet in here, isn't it? (laughs) Very quiet. So um, I think it's fair to say that we've got something of a nightmare going on. Um, so when I look at statistics like that, don't try to tell me that this is a subject that doesn't need addressing, right? There's very clearly, you know, um, when uh, I, was, I was discussing with Britt about the, the subject matter that we were going to be talking about, and she said to me, you know, Todd, all this stuff on, you know, sex and diseases and all, you don't need to talk about that. They... They talk about all that in school nowadays. And I said, but if these statistics are correct, whatever it is that they're teaching at schools is not working because we've got all these Christians, all these Christians 
that are willing to be having sex. So I don't know what it is that they're teaching, but whatever it is, it's not doing a good job. And woe betide us if we're going to hand this subject over to the state to teach our children. <laughs> uh, we, we really need to be addressing this as a church. And so that's why we're doing this, this series. Um, now, when you hear statistics like that, if you're a young person, uh, I can understand you thinking, well, why should I wait if no one else is waiting? You know, you just said 11% are actually waiting. Why, why should I wait? Um, well, first, there are others waiting. I think that's the first thing I want to say to, to our young people. There are others that are waiting. And you know where the best place to find them is? Christianmingle.com. No. <laughs> no. No. The best... The best place to find a partner for life is still in the church. Even though we've got such bad statistics floating around for the church, the best place still is within the body of Christ. Um, also, the last thing we need to do is go, well, if everyone else is doing it, why don't I? <laughs> um, look, and that's the thing, is that this is what, We've got young people who are, you know, well, no one wants to give me the time of day because I, I'm not willing to have sex, so no boys are interested in me or no girls are, yeah. Like, like this stuff actually goes on, right? And what we don't want is to have, to have that idea that, well, you know, it's just, that's just the way things are now. I, the number of times I've heard um, parents yield to when the um, you know their their daughter or their son moves in with their partner, and they go, well, you know, it's that's that's just the way it is now. Well, no, it's not. the 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 Bible is still the Bible. God is still God. His laws are still in place. It's just, it's it's the way that it is, and we have to be willing to. Deal with these subjects. The way I put it is you've got to deal with it while the subject's cold, right? And, and what I mean by that, it's, it's no use trying to have this conversation. And I bet we've got parents in the room that have been in this, this um, situation. It's no use when your son and your daughter comes home and says, I'm going to move in with, you know, my partner. It's no use trying to talk about this stuff at that point. Right? The, the subject's hot and I'm sure that you've found out just how hot it is by daring to touch it at that moment, right? No, no, the, the, one of the reasons why I want to do this course is because especially for you young ones, I want to, like as a spiritual dad, talk about this subject while it's cold, while it's not an issue and try, try to arm you so that you're not, you don't find yourself falling into some of the snares that the enemy's got set for you. And the great time to talk about it is while it is not an issue for you, right? The great time to talk about it is while you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. A great time to make some decisions on these subjects is while you're, you don't have your hormones racing and, and your, your romance meter going off the charts. And, right? This is the time to, to talk about these things. And for, for those of you who are older, uh, this is, again, one of those subjects that we've got to bring out of the closet and, and start talking with, with our children, our spiritual children, those that we're mentoring. And I know that it can be it can be really difficult to, to talk about. But, you know, I was, I was listening to, um, uh, as I, we were researching and prepare, preparing for this, um, I was listening to Chris Vallotton's son and um, he was talking about masturbation. 
Uh, and yes, we will, we will deal with that subject in due course. But he was saying he was uh, 11, he was driving in the car and uh, he, with his dad and his dad turned to him and said, so son, tell me, have you ever masturbated? And of course, he just wanted to leap out of the car. You know, it's like, this is not something I want to be talking with my dad about. But... Um, these are the sorts of things that we do need to bring out of that sort of taboo box hiding in the corner because the, the fact is the, the next young man to, to walk through that door, if we go off, off statistics and we go off what we know, the next young man to come to Christ and walk through that door is going to have a spirit of lust on him and be addicted to pornography, right? That's, that's who he is, who's going to walk in the door. The, the next girl who walks in that door is, is going to have a lustful spirit and, and probably a broken, fractured soul from the several sexual partners she had, right? That, that's... That is the normal young millennial believer who's going to walk through that door. And if we want to see them saved, healed, delivered, discipled, set free, we've actually got to be willing to touch these subjects and deal with it and deal with it in a way where it's like, hey, son, listen, it's okay. You're loved. We, we understand here. We're not afraid of what you've been through or what you're going through, right? We, we've all walked this path. We know what the enemy's been doing to you. It's okay. You know, it's, I mean, understand what I'm, I'm not saying that it's okay that they're sinning. What I'm saying is it's okay that you've been trapped and we know how to get you free, right? That's, and we want to be in a, a community that's communicating that to people so that they do get free of this stuff and they don't, live with this idea of being Christian and, and choosing to follow Christ on one hand while they've got these dark secrets that, that are chained to their leg that they're dragging around thinking, you know, I can't let them know that this is going on or they're somehow going to think badly of me. You know, this, this is why we've got to bring it out. I, you know, I, as I read through this stuff, all these statistics... One thing that it does show me is that, frankly, people are not reading their Bibles. <laughs> um, you know, there, there are so many scriptures and on, on this subject. You know, the, the Bible's great. You know, the, the Bible talks about sex and lust and all these sorts of subjects. And again, we need to be bringing those out. Now, for those who want to take some notes, I want to give you some scriptures to, to have a look at. A great scripture to start with is Hebrews 13, verse 4. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Right. So let's just, let's just define some, some points here. All right. When we say adulterer, what, is, what does adulterer mean? Somebody just tell me really bluntly, what does adultery mean? Not quite, not quite. Oh, I see where you're going, but let's not go there yet. <laughs> if you're married and you sleep with someone else who's not your husband or wife, that's adultery, right? So it's when you've got someone who is married, who has, who has made a covenant of marriage and they break that sexual covenant of marriage with another person. Now, uh, in the NIV, it says the sexual, sexually immoral. If you use the King James, it would have said fornicators. 
what is what is fornication? Yeah, sex. Any any kind of sex outside of marriage is fornication. Now, what is sex? <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. We need to actually define these points because I'm telling you now, I have had conversations with people that go along the line of, well, you know, we've done such and such and so and so and this and that, but we haven't had sex. And it's like the people have a very narrow, um, you know, it's like unless... It, unless it is penetration, then it's not sex. No, I, and the married people around the room are shaking their heads. All right, I, I, let me tell you something. A wet kiss is sex. Now you might go, well, hang on, Todd. I, I, if you don't believe me on this, just be honest with yourself and tell me what was going on in you the last time you had a wet kiss, right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? The, in fact, when you look at um, sexually transmitted diseases and infections, of which I have been looking at, <laughs> th thanks to my uh, new friend, Dr. Nicole, who has been helping me out on this subject. Anytime, anything that you're doing which is putting you in contact with the bodily fluids of another person in a sensual manner, that is sex. And if you don't believe me, you can have a flick through this and have a look at the diseases that you can catch from, for instance, kissing somebody or touching their genitals, or there's some very interesting reading there. So what am I saying? What is sex? If you're having a sloppy kiss with someone, you're having sex. There is a sexual interaction that is taking place. And you know, I'm wanting to talk very bluntly here, but I'm sure that you understand what I mean when I say that there is your body starts reacting as someone who is about to have sex when you start engaging in that kind of kissing. Thank you for the few nods that are coming around the room, right? <laughs> right? Um, now, the thing is, I want to be as broad as this because I, I want you to understand. You know, Song of Solomon, very interesting book. Um, makes this statement, do not awaken love before it's time. And the, the thing, and, and it is talking about physical, sexual love when it says that. Don't light the fuse, right? Because I'm telling you now, that thing burns hot and dry and fast, uh, am I right, people? Yeah. Right? You like that fuse. And, you know, some of um, all the married people are going, yeah, to right it does, right? Because we're free to say that. But you singles can be, be honest about it too, right? And you can say, yes, it does. It burns hot and fast, right? You, you, see, the thing is we need to be acknowledging these things, all right? Because if, if we don't start being open and come clean with one another about the reality of what's going on, what will happen is you will keep telling yourself the lies that get you into trouble, right? It's by, by bringing this stuff out and talking about it and by speaking truth into it stops the lies of the enemy or at least reduces the chance of them taking root in your life. And tonight, I'm especially talking to our singles. And, I, and I, the, I want to stop that lie. And, you know, in Hebrews 13, 4, it says, Marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure. 
Now, I want you to think about something. Let's start off by talking about purity. I heard a, a wonderful example of, of purity um, just over the weekend, I think it was, uh, was one of John Bevere's sons talking about. He said, your sexual purity is like a balloon, right? You take a, take a balloon and blow it up, <laughs> right? Now hold it. Don't tie it off. Okay, now, what people do when they have a wet kiss with someone, they've let out a little bit of that purity. And the thing is, you can't take that back. There's no way that you can take that back. And the thing is, is that God's intention, and, and the, uh, like I'm saying this, so, so many of us have already blown it, right? And this is not about bringing condemnation, but it's about bringing understanding. I want you to understand why we want to fight so strongly for this, is God's intention for you was that you would have no experience whatsoever. And then the day that you are married and you see your wife, you see your husband, you get to, to step into that physical relationship, everything that you know and understand and experience sexually is now coming from that one person. You don't know anything else. Well, is she good at sex? She's wonderful. Well, how would you know? Because it's wonderful. I, because I don't have, all right, so, Britt and I, we married as virgins. So the only sexual experiences that either of us have ever had is with each other. Um, when we, we were pastoring a church in Perth, there was a young lady who had, had uh, fallen in love with this young guy like a month ago. And she, was, she came to um, this this young woman in our church, I'll call her Anne, and said to Anne, um, uh, I, I'm thinking about starting a sexual relationship with this guy. Now, Anne was married to a, a wonderful young man who had gotten saved. Both of them had had sexual partners before. He had had a couple. She had had one, just one. And Anne said to this, this girl, whatever you do, do not start a sexual relationship with this man. And she's like, well, why? And she said, listen, I want to tell you something. When I was 17, a, a young man seduced me and I had sex with him. And now, even though I love my husband, even though I have... You know, we, we have a, a great sex life. I compare him to that experience those years ago. And if I'd never done that, I wouldn't have that there. Now, and again, I'm seeing nods around the room. The, the power of sexual purity is that it removes all of these, these tags and hooks that the enemy will use in later life. Now, yeah, and so, so many of you are nodding and saying yes, right, because you've experienced them. Now, the thing is, for those of you who you are saying, Todd, it's too late for me, I've blown it, right? No, it's not too late in this sense. You are far more likely to be having this kind of conversation with the 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old than me. You understand what I'm saying? They are much more likely 
to talk to you, Matt, to talk to you, Dan, about these sorts of things than they are to me. And your um, uh, freedom to say, listen, let me tell you how it is, like that woman Anne did, can, can help rescue the, the next generation from, from going through the same kinds of traumas. Now, you've got to understand that um, in this documentation, I'm reading about um, 11-year-old girls with sexually transmitted diseases. I'm reading about um, 25% of 14-year-old women or, or girls testing positive for STIs. 25% of high school, 14-year-old high school students <laughs> tested positive for an STI. So the, the damage that the enemy is doing is massive. And so I'm wanting to... Uh, Right from the start, what I want to do is I want to put the bar right up there because that was actually the standard that God had. And we need to start off by acknowledging, being willing to acknowledge and, and to not go, well, what about me? You're making me feel bad. No, I'm not making you feel bad. Right? The enemy's been doing that. Right? I'm just giving you the truth. This is, this is the reality. This is the truth. This is where the bar is set. Now, we've all got a responsibility, according to Hebrews 13:4. Marriage should be honored by the married people. Is that right? By all. And the marriage bed kept pure. Now, on the marriage bed, let me ask you this. Which marriage bed and when? You see, uh, let, me, uh, let me unpack it. You see, uh, okay, singles in the room? Yep, all right. So, there is a likelihood that you singles at some point are going to be married. Which means that you are someone's husband or wife. And even though you are not married yet, the scripture says the marriage bed is not to be defiled. And so people think of this as something that happens after the marriage bed is established. And what I want to say to you is, no, the marriage bed is something that stands before the marriage takes place as well. So, um, you know, guys, that girl that you're pashing on with, Hey, like, like I said, we married as virgins. My vocabulary is limited, right? <laughs> you just have to bear with me. <laughs> yeah. That, that girl that you're passing on with is someone's wife. Right? Girls, that guy that you're giving too much of yourself to is someone's husband. And worse than that, this is a thing that I can't get over in churches, is in 10 years' time, you are probably going to be sitting in church looking across the way at that young woman or that young man as she's, she's sitting there with her husband and two children and you're going to need to look her in the eye. And so... The, the marriage bed should be undefiled is something for the future. It's not just something from the past. Does that make sense? All right. Um, let's have a look at Ephesians 5 verse 3. But among you, Ephesians 5 3, but among you there must not even be a hint 
of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity. And it's interesting because the next word there is greed. But when you look at the, the Greek word there, the word greed that is being used there is a word to describe selfish sexual desire. So there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of any sexual selfish desire because these are improper for God's people. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 10. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, yes, that's right, homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, I'm saying homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm also saying gossips and slanderers will not inherit the kingdom of God. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6, verses 18 and 19. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And this is one of the, the key points that I kind of want to close on is what about my sex drive, Todd? Because, you know, I'm a sexual being. Um, it's, you know, God's made me that way. I have a sex drive. Um, you know, I don't, you know, don't I kind of like have a right to find an outlet for that? So the, the question is, did God create man to have a sex drive? Oh, this is, this is a big thing. Preaching to myself here. No, I don't believe in that sense that he created a sex drive any more than hunger is a gluttony drive. Do you want me to say that again? I don't believe that the sex drive is any more God's, God's design any more than hunger is a gluttony drive. In God's design, sex was supposed to be the response to intimacy and engaged with in a controlled manner, just like eating. And, and God gave a command to Adam and Eve when it came to eating, Genesis 2, 16 to 17, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So God, even with eating, he said, look, I'm giving you a smorgasbord, but you can't just have anything you want. There is actually controls in place. And one of those controls is you're not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So just as their hunger was controlled, in the same way, our sex drive, so to speak, should be controlled because it's not a sex drive. I like the way Dan Moller said it. When God created Adam, he was not walking around with an erection waiting for Eve to turn up. <laughs> right? So what, what are we to do then about the sex drive? Well, I think that the answer is found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. And I want, you to, I want you to see the context of this scripture too. Colossians 3, verse 5. So put to death 
the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Next sentence, same verse. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Right? So, so here we've got a very clear um, statement of what do you do about your sex drive? You kill it. Right? Well, Todd, that's, that's not a very fair statement. Yes, it is. Because Jesus tells us to kill everything. I, I, I'm, he, look, well, does, does Jesus want you dead or not? Yeah. Right? He wants every single part of you dead so that Christ can live in you. Yeah. Right? So he, he wants your sex drive dead, just like he wants your gluttony drive dead. Just like he wants your, any part of selfishness that's active in your life, he's like, kill it. And, and the thing I want you to see is who kills it? We do. We do. Mm-hmm. Right? You see, the, the thing is, we have been given grace. Right? And grace is not the excuse to pardon you as you continually screw up. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit to stop you screwing up. So what we need to be doing is with the issue of sex drive is to kill it. And we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we can do what is said in Song of Solomon, which is do not awaken love before it's time. And you see, that's the thing, is as believers, I I want you to understand, you know, especially for you young ones, I want you to kill that stuff, right? Put it to death. And there is this stupid notion going around that, but that means that when the time comes, I won't know what to do. (laughs) Trust me, you'll know what to do. And even if you don't, enjoy working it out. <laughs> right? That, that's, that's the whole point. Is the, the glorious thing is the joy of working it out together. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, this is what I want you to understand is if you put this stuff to death until the time is right, The awakening is a beautiful thing. And that's what we want to build into our Christian culture. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if the life I live is Christ living in me, does Jesus have a sex drive? Come on, people. Do do you see what I'm saying? If the life that you are living is Christ living in you, then you're telling me if, if you are trying to legitimise your sex drive, you are telling me that Jesus lusts, right? And that, that's, I know that it seems like I'm putting a really hard position in place, but, but I am, right? I, it's the thing is that we, we need to have that standard in place so that, because what we want is this, is I want to have a young person come running to me going, ah, it's, it's like all too much for me at the moment. I need, to, I need to just offload and tell you that, you know, I'm, I'm driving crazy with this. And it's like, well, why? You start digging and you find out there's some pornographic billboard that he drove past. Or You understand what I'm saying? The devil is at work yeah. trying to get you to slip up so that he can destroy you, 
right? So he can destroy your marriage. And here's the thing. Sex is spiritual warfare. The reason sex, sex is spiritual warfare because every time a husband and a wife come together, they are, they are operating within the foundation that God Himself set for that act. And it thumbs the nose at every form of depravity and, and every form of perversion that Satan has put in place. And, you know, the Scripture says that the church, Ephesians 3.10, that the church declares into the heavenlies the manifold wisdom of God. And the sexual act is a declaration even into the heavenlies of the wisdom of the design of God. And this is why it is so powerful and it is why Satan wants to pervert it. So I, you know, I want to just in, encourage you all that that this is something that we need to be putting. Yes, even you know, the, this is stuff that we need to be teaching to to our well children, right? It's it's like, well, what are you saying, Todd? I don't know. You know your children. <coughs> For those of you that haven't had children yet, the day will come. You will know when. But the, these are the things that we need to be implanting. Because right now, they're watching cartoons that are sexualized, right? They're they're walking through shopping centers that are sexualized, right? Satan is putting this stuff out in front of humanity at every opportunity. And you will have to talk a lot about this subject to counterbalance the message that's being pumped into your children through, through the world, through society. Are you understanding what I'm saying? This is good stuff to be talking about, even with children, obviously at the appropriate level, and of course. But, you know, for the body of Christ, this is something that we need to start um, uh, really bringing to the fore and talking about. So um, a couple of questions. Um, when it comes to um, the, the issue of purity, does anyone have any feedback on, on what I was saying? Oh, or on any of it, actually. I'll just throw it open. But does anyone have any feedback on what we've been talking about tonight? Any thoughts or ideas or things that you think I haven't covered or questions? That you-